Obama is the story. And a lot of people are missing the point. You're too focused on Hillary and everybody. Obama, Obama, Obama. We'll talk about that coming up. Free counseling for marshmallows. Mmm, got some of that. And a Democrat who really should be a Republican. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday. <laughs> oh, it's Monday in every sense of the word. All that and more coming up. Hey, protect your online activity with the best and easiest VPN. That would be Nord VPN. And if you use the special link in our show notes, you will get 59% off and three free months from Nord VPN. All right, let's get into it. Let's get right to our most important part of this opening. And that would be our Miko update. Miko, Ichiko Mikoto is her official name. We call her Miko. And no, this isn't a picture of Miko. It's a picture of a delicious Japanese meal that I had at Yayoi in Dessa Park City, because that's where we spent part of our Saturday. And there she is under the table. And if you look there, that's that's me up there, and <laughs> that's her. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. She, okay, we snuck a little bit of our food from the table, and we fed her. And we gave her some treats, too, so she didn't feel left out. That's her on her favorite rock at Dessa Park City at a sunset photo. Uh, oh, man, it's such a beautiful park. And she is, she loves this place. So many other dogs, including a bunch of other uh, new Shebas that we made uh, friends with. Mm. So she's doing well. She's doing great. Had a couple of good walks today and off she went. Saturday at the park was just fantastic. A great time for Miko and friends. And our Miko updates brought to you by BarkBox. BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. That's our special link. It'll get you a free month if you sign up for a multi-month subscription. BarkBox.com slash Miko. Every month, if you sign up, you get a box full of goodies themed every month new toys new treats new chew it with a different theme each time go through the website check out the different monthly themes you'll see uh, themes you'll see right up here it says monthly themes that'll show you all the different ones they've had in the past and every month you'll get a new surprise delivered right to your door hey you get two two toys two bags of treats and a dog chew the edible stuff is made from all natural ingredients, none of that artificial crap. If your dog has any allergies, you can check the box off and they'll make sure you don't get it. And if they are if you are ever not happy with anything, you get a hold of customer service, they make it right. They have a 100% happiness guarantee. Use our special link, it's barkbox.com/miko. And if you sign up for a multi-month subscription, you will get a month free. How about that? Cool deal. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, I'll, you know, a lot of people have been focusing on Hillary and, you know, she is a bad lady. She's a bad, bad little girl. She's done lots of naughty, naughty things and she really ought to be in prison. No, she really ought to be in prison. But what people are not focusing so much on is Obama. And that's the bigger story. Real Clear Politics ran this article today. Devin Nunes, Obama was directly involved in weaponizing the Russian collusion hoax. 
Now, I have video of him talking about that. Whoa. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I got this huge sound. We don't need that. Thanks. Former House Intelligence Chairman Devin Nunes says the report by Special Counsel John Durham shows exactly how President Obama was directly involved in the Trump-Russian collusion hoax during an interview with uh, FNC's Maria Bartiroma. And uh, do we, yes, we do have that. As a matter of fact, we'll just listen to Mr. Nunez in his own words. The six, this was a, a stunt by the Hillary Clinton campaign in 16. It failed miserably because Donald Trump won overwhelmingly. Right. Then what happened? Obama was directly involved because he's the one that went back right after the election in 2016. He got all the intelligence agencies involved and they leaked out to the fake news media that, oh, the Russians must have done something and they were trying to help Trump. Obama did that, but Obama knew, but we now know from Durham, Obama knew and his team knew in August of 16 that this was a dirty trick by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Unbelievable, so yeah. I, I think the question is, you know, where do we go from here? That's the real question, Yeah. right? Where I do mean, we go? One yeah. thing we at, least, we at least have is our voice and that's what we can do to spread that word. But I think the Congress is going to have to dive deep into this. Yes, for sure. Exactly. The Congress is going to have to dive deep into this. Also from Nunes, most Americans are saying, how can this happen? How can this happen in the United States of America? Well, now, as you know, spent a lot of time abroad, made a lot of friends overseas, gotten so many calls after this Durham report from people who are saying, what the hell is going on in the United States? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Again, quoting uh, Devin Nunes, how can you guys have a justice system like this? I think a lot of people were shocked. A lot of them knew me. A lot of them knew I was telling the truth. But when you see Durham go through this exhaustive three-year process and actually come forth with all this information, in any normal world, there would be so many crimes having been committed here and so many people being indicted and yet it ain't happening and folks the chances are it ain't gonna happen unbelievable and yep obama knew obama lied obama encouraged and went along with the whole thing read the article on what Devin Nunes had to say. There's more in there. You want to check it out. And uh, the video also, you can replay that if you want to and uh, and find out more about it. But it's, it's beyond the pale. Uh, it just doesn't stop. Uh, and <laughs> true to form, after an article like that, the People's Voice posts an article like this. See if this makes any sense having just heard that. Barack Obama, uh, Obama, yeah. Barack Obama, quote, we need full-blown government censorship to eradicate independent media, end quote. Now, why do you think he might be interested in that? And by independent media, I'm quite sure what he's talking about is my major source of news, and yes, I have to put a big-ass filter on it, but I don't watch the news anymore. 
no mainstream media at all, haven't in a very long time. Most of my updates come from Twitter, reliable sources on Twitter. There's a lot of crap there, but everybody has a right to say whatever they want to say. Now this moron, this liar, this cheat, this traitor is saying we have to have full-blown government censorship to get rid of independent media. He's urged the Biden regime to declare a national emergency, serious, and use its powers to eradicate all independent media ahead of the 2024 election. Wouldn't that make sense, huh? Speaking to CBS News on Tuesday of last week, Obama warned mainstream media has lost its control over the narrative. Why is that a problem? He said the only solution to a problem that doesn't need to be solved is the U.S. government to step in and take drastic action. Quoting him here again, talking to uh, Nate Burleson, the thing I'm most worried about is the degree to which we now have divided conversations, part because we have a divided media, right? No, divided conversations is what it's supposed to be all about. I have my opinion, you have your opinion, sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. We hash it out, we fight, we argue, not physically fight, but we fight and argue back and forth. Maybe you convince me, maybe I convince you, maybe we agree to disagree. That's how it works, you freaking idiot. I'm much older than you. When I was coming up, you had three TV stations, and people were getting a similar sense of what's true and what isn't. Wrong! You got a sense of whatever Cronkite and Peter What's-His-Ass and Tom Brokaw decided, or the powers that controlled them decided, they wanted you to know. And if those three folks didn't give it to you, it didn't exist, even though it did. I'm most concerned today about the splintering of media, he goes on to babble. We almost occupy different realities. Yeah, you live in your world full of lies, and we live in the real world. If something happens in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that, yeah, that's an issue. It just keeps going. This guy just won't stop. You know what? Shut up. Sit down. You had your time. You screwed up. Get off the get off the podium. Nobody cares what you have to say anymore. And if you couldn't be any possibly more obvious, having just been exposed for all of the evil, traitorous stuff that you've done, now to come out and say this? <laughs> okay, Captain Obvious. Something trigger you? Mm. Get this. They have a new video out about controlling information. Ties perfectly to this last article about Barry. Trigger words. Listen to this. Listen to this. Using crap. this week to raise awareness and show the importance of knowing the facts as you are scrolling, tapping, and clicking through websites and social media. So we have a few phrases um, that if you see these phrases online, you um, should just take a minute before sharing that um, information. So we call it like, take a pause. Those red flag phrases are, let that these. sink in. The media won't report this. Make this go viral. Do your own research. And there are no coincidences. 
when you see some of those phrases um, that are just like triggering mm-hmm. you um, to like somebody's trying to hide information and I need to make sure everybody has this information, things like that should. Tr- yeah. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You, you saw the phrases in there. We're not buying it anymore, folks. We're not believing you. You're talking to the wall. You're talking to a chair. Deaf ears, my friends. And now get this. All these things just link one after the other after the other. Obama says the government needs to crack down on alternate media. And now look at this. A new Senate bill would create a federal agency, like we need a couple more, right? To police Americans for misinformation and hate speech. What they call hate speech. (laughs) Unbelievable. It hasn't been passed, thankfully, yet by Congress, but the bill was brought forth by this moron Colorado senator, Michael Bennett, dubbed the Digital Platform Commission Act, DPCA. Sounds official already. Senator announced the legislation would create an expert federal body empowered to provide comprehensive sector-specific regulation of digital platforms to protect consumers. Oh, yes, for your protection. Promote competition. (laughs) Yeah. And, love this one, defend the public interest. What public? Yeah. And what misinformation and hate speech according to whose standards? It would have a mandate, jurisdiction, and a broad set of tools to develop and enforce thoughtful guardrails. We are reading on this show, at the end, the last section of the show, 1984 from George Orwell, a little bit at a time as we get through it. If this isn't the freaking thought police, I don't know what is. This is the freaking thought police. They tried this before. We shot the hell out of it and we got to do it again because it's happening again. Between Obama pushing for the alternate media junk and this crap, they are not giving up and they're not gonna give up. So we have to be on our toes. Keep your head on the swivel. And that's just not for gunfire. That's not somebody sneaking up on you. Crap like that sneaking up on you is also what I'm talking about. Keep your head on the swivel. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, we got more. But before we get to more, we want to tell you about Brickhouse Nutrition. Oh, yeah. Brickhouse Nutrition has an amazing product, and it is called Field of Greens. They're one of our sponsors here. If you just give me a second to let you know about this, helps to pay the bills. Fruits and vegetables, we all know they're the unmistakable cornerstone of a healthy diet. Fruits and vegetables, the problem is they're hard to cook. You got to go shopping for them. You have to keep them when you're ready to eat them. You got to prepare them, cook them. And sometimes by the time you get around to getting to prepare them and cook them, they've rotted. They've gone off. There's a way to get all all the great healthy fruits and vegetables you need in a simple powder form. And that is Field of Greens, that product right there. It's a science-backed formula, specific healthy 
wholesome fruits and vegetables all ground up into a great tasting powder. You just mix it into your favorite drink. You can use water if you want or green tea, orange juice, whatever. And it tastes amazing. Real USDA organic fruits and vegetables, not extract. You look on the back of the package, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts. Why? Because these are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. Several great tasty flavors here. Check it out. Let me just scroll up there. You can see some of the other ones. And Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. In our show notes, if you expand that down, you'll find the link in there for Brickhouse Nutrition and Field of Greens. Check that link out. It'll get you an amazing deal, a great offer, and a wonderful discount off Brickhouse Nutrition and their amazing product, Field of Greens. They've got tons of other products over there. Do check out all the good stuff, all healthy, all great for you. My favorite, though, is absolutely Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. All right. Thanks, Field of Greens. Uh, new, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, maybe we're talking to this is kind of related here. Uh, new legislation reintroduced uh, will it create a U.S. agency to enact enforceable behavior codes and various other rules for digital platforms like Twitter. Now, this is actually a tweet and uh, it's from Disclosed TV. This actually has the, the wording of the bill. Look at this it directs the commission to establish a code council to develop and propose voluntary or enforceable behavioral codes, behavioral codes, technical standards or other policies for digital platform for the commission's consideration. The council does this through a code process and it would comprise 18 members. Listen to the makeup of this group of little Nazi overlords. Six representatives of the digital platforms, six representatives from nonprofit public interest groups, and six technical experts from fields like data science, communications, and engineering. So, those are the little knuckleheads who are going to have control over what you see and do and think. <laughs> the world we live in. The absolute nutcase world we live in. It's gone bonkers. You know what? I found a great cut. You might have seen this already. I'm going to play it for you because it's great. It's a little long, but worth every, every second. This is famous singer... Robbie Williams. I never knew he was such a cool dude, but take a listen to this. We're in a post-truth world where you can't believe the media, you can't believe Big Pharma, you can't believe politicians, you can't believe what you're eating, you can't believe yourself. It's, you know, if at any time in human it, it since we've existed there is a time where this whole empire could fall it's now and um yeah it, it's it, it's of course these things are going to arise because we can't trust anybody or anything and um 
I personally just believe and invest in my wife and my kids and my family. And, um, yeah, I, I believe... My wife and my kids and my family. Your family above all, in whatever form it may take. Believe in your family and believe in yourself. Screw these government morons. Speaking of which, another one from the People's Voice. Oh, man. Nice words there from Robbie Williams. Great singer, great artist. And he's got a great take on the frightening world we live in today. Take a look at this. This moron, John Kerry. Here we go again. He has declared a war on U.S. farmers. Folks, we've seen the Dutch farmers who have fought back. They are fighting back to this very day as their farms get forcibly taken over by the government. It's happening in other breadbasket uh, countries around the world. And now, here we go. Get ready. It's going to happen here, too. Kerry's declared war on U.S. farmers. Government farm confiscations are not off the table. Yeah, look at that. There's that criminal Gates and criminal Kerry. Small farms are significant emitters of nitrogen, according to Biden's climate czar, who is pushing for the U.S. federal government to crack down on farming in America to combat the hoax of global warming. He insists the U.S. must massively reduce farming to meet the radical green agenda laid out by the World Economic Forum and a body of unelected morons trying to control our lives and the United Nations, speaking of which. The world can't tackle climate change without first addressing the agriculture sector's emissions. This is according to this Kerry idiot. And farmers in the U.S., are front and center of his plans. Yeah, here's another one from the WHO. We talked about that a couple shows ago. During the remarks at the Agricultural Innovation Mission for Climate Summit held in Washington, D.C., Kerry neglected to acknowledge the undeniable fact that the agriculture industry plays a vital role in providing sustenance, the food we put on our table, and ensuring the survival of, oh, I don't know, about 8 billion people worldwide. Stand by, folks. You've seen it. If you haven't looked it up, what's happened in Holland, the Dutch farmers over there, the fight they are going through to this day to try and keep their land and keep food on the table. It's coming to our shores faster than you can think if this moron gets his way. Something must stop these people. Really getting out of hand. Oh, I hope nothing I said offended you, by the way. I hope you weren't... If it does, maybe you can get some counseling. That's a really bad attempt at a segue to our next segment, which is from the Washington Free Beacon. A head shaker. 
I would call this at least a three or four head shaker. I think we're going to start doing that. You know, we have the, the Muttleys on Dan Bongino's show. I think we're going to have head shakers. <laughs> oh, man. It just gets stupider and stupider and stupider. Yep. The State Department. <laughs> I can't even read this. The State Department is going to offer counseling to misgendered employees that were triggered by email pronoun debacle. <laughs> oh, he says, I deeply, <laughs> I deeply regret the confusion and distress this mistake caused our workforce. The State Department will offer counseling to any employee who feels hurt or upset. A system-wide email glitch temporarily assigned random and often incorrect gender programs to the uh, pronouns to the staff. They're offering free therapy to anyone who feels hurt or upset because of this glitch. According to an internal email that went out to employees on Friday, just Friday, many State Department employees were triggered on Thursday when emails from colleagues suddenly began to include random pronouns like she, her, hers, and he, him, his in the from line. The problem, <laughs> oh, you people, at least, at least, you know, if nothing else, the stupidity, it's good for a good laugh on a Monday. The pronouns were randomly assigned. Men were given female pronouns and vice versa due to a pronoun glitch. I got an easy way to solve the problem. Just get rid of this shit with this pronoun bullcrap. Those upset by the misgendering <gasps> pearl clutchers are encouraged to contact the State Department's Employee Consultation Services. And there you can speak to a professional counselor. Or my suggestion might be that you grow a pair. And yes, I'm talking to you men and women, or women who want to be men or men who want to be women. Grow a pair. You misgendered me. I'm so upset. I need counseling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, there's hope. There is hope. I'm not kidding. I found this. I never heard of this lady before, maybe because I'm not in Georgia. But her name is Representative Misha Mayner. She is a Democrat. I know, but wait. She writes in her tweet, and I'll play the video for you in a second. In her tweet, she writes, I'm a sitting Democrat in the Georgia House of Representatives, and the Democrat Party establishment is looking to take me out. I am tired of certain folks in my party that chant 
Black Lives Matter during election years, but are nowhere to be found any other year. Take a listen. A little long, I'm going to the whole thing. But take a listen at what this lady has to say. She's a representative from Georgia. I'm State Representative Misha Maynard. And recently I found myself in the crosshairs of my Democratic caucus. In the Georgia House of Representatives, I represent a solidly blue and highly diverse district. And I have never hesitated and will never hesitate to vote for the best interests of the communities I represent over party politics. I support school choice, parent rights, and opportunities for children to thrive, especially those that are marginalized and attend a failing school. The Democrats at the Capitol took a hard position and demanded every Democrat vote against children and for the teachers union. I voted yes for parents and yes for children, not failing schools. Some of the schools I represent have a 3% reading proficiency or children can't do simple math. Wow. So I have a few colleagues upset with me to the point where they are giving away $1,000 checks to anyone that will run against me. I'm not apologizing because my colleagues don't like how I vote. When my community loves the fact that someone is finally sticking up for them. Exactly right. Someone is finally sticking up for them. We love this lady. And by the way, it's funny because in the comments, there's a whole lot of people who made the comment, come on over to the Republican Party. We welcome you with open arms. But you know what? I'm not sure that's the best idea. Because what we need are more Democrats that think like this lady does. That's the way to do it. Support this woman. I don't, I don't think I have a very big Georgia audience. But if you've got friends there or whatever, send them this. The link is in our show notes to the tweet here. Rep Misha Maynard. It's at Misha Maynard. Uh, M-E-S-H-A-M-A-I-N-O-R. I love this lady. I love the way she thinks. And like I said, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. She is voting according to what the people who elected her want. Not what the party wants. Not what the puppet masters want. What the people who put her in office want. And that is exactly the way the system was built, and even though it does not, 99% of the time, that is exactly the way the system was designed to work. Man, I like this lady. What's her name again? Misha Maynard. Very, very cool lady. All right. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Did you hear this one? The NAACP, what a complete waste. They have issued a travel advisory. Very important news here. Pay attention, especially if you're black. The NAACP, in my best radio news voice, has issued a travel advisory for all blacks to avoid the state of Florida because they are in danger if they travel there. Well, Laverne Spicer, who happens to be black, wrote this in her tweet. Chill, please. Somebody tell that to Byron, uh, Byron Donalds, who's a congressman here, elected by Florida voters. He's black. Someone tell that to Reuben C. Young, who's running for Congress in Florida 25. 
He's damn sure black. Somebody tell that to Willie J. Montague, who's running for Congress in Florida 10. He's black. Shoot, somebody tell that to me. Last time I checked, I'm black, and I've been black my entire life. Hold on, I'll go check in the mirror to make sure. Yep, I'm about as black as I've ever been, and here I am in Florida, all safe and sound. Someone tell that to the huge Haitian festival that took place at Bayfront Park last night with 25,000 black people out and about having an amazing time, free and happy. What about the black girls on the yachts in Biscayne Bay who twerk openly for everyone to see? They don't seem to be in much danger except maybe falling in the water. How about Joe Ladapo, our black surgeon general? He seems safe. Serena Williams, Flo Rider, Jason Derulo, T-Pain all live here too. They're black. Miami's own Ricky Rose comes in and out of the 305 all the time, and he's just fine. Someone tell the race hustlers at the NAACP that we're all good in the sunny and free state of Florida. Yes, Laverne Spicer. At Laverne underscore Spicer over on Twitter. Love you to death, dear. Keep it up. Nice job. Man, the link is in our show notes if you want to check out that tweet and give her a follow too. Oh, man. (laughs) How cool is that? Good job, Laverne. I love it. Share that out. Put that out there. All right. I got a couple more things to go here. And uh, this is a weird one. I, I almost ended with this, and then I found another one that I wanted to send to uh, to send out there. You know what orcas are? Basically, killer whales is another way of referring to an orca. Well, the weirdest thing has been happening in Europe with orcas. You might not have heard about this one. Take a look. Orcas, killer whales, have sunk three boats in Europe, and apparently they're teaching other orcas to do the same thing. Scientists think a traumatized orca initiated the assault on boats after a critical moment of agony, and that the behavior is spreading among the population through social learning. Weird, there's one there. Orcas have attacked and sunk a third boat off the Iberian coast of Europe, and they believe the behavior is being copied by the rest of the population. Three orcas, known as killer whales, struck the yacht on the night of May 4th, the Strait of Gibraltar off the coast of Spain, pierced the rudder, and there were two smaller ones and one larger orca. Uh, The little one shook the rudder at the back, while the big one repeatedly backed up and rammed the ship with full force from the side. He said he, the captain of the boat said he saw the smaller orcas begin to imitate the larger one. The two little orcas observed the bigger one's technique, and with a slight run-up, they too slammed into the boat. Spanish coast guards rescued, uh, rescued the crew and towed the boat to Barbate, and it sank at the port entrance. Weird. Uh, yeah, this is just facts about killer whales. There's one now. <laughs> and they look cute at SeaWorld until they're in the wild in the open and they're trying to sink your boat. I, 
I don't know. There's more in this article. If you want to read it, I put it in the show notes tonight. You should check it out because it's a weird one. And not only the fact that the orcas are attacking boats, but they're teaching other orcas how to do it. Or the other orcas are learning and doing it. Some scary stuff. Those orcas are not small. Even babies are not small. All right. We'll end with some good news here before we get into our book, 1984, George Orwell. And uh, I just, because we bring you so much crap, so much garbage news, so many problems, when we see somebody do the right thing, somebody with a heart in the right place, we got to share that too, because it's only by that, hopefully, somebody's faith will be restored. Take a look at this. This old woman, all she can do to move, as far as I know, she got up out of a wheelchair. And her husband was doing her best. And these three or four guys see her struggling. Now, normally, you see guys like this come up on... I'm not talking about the fact that they're black. I'm talking about the fact that the way they're dressed, the dreadlocks, everything else. Normally, you'd probably run in the other direction. Ah, there's her walker, or his walker. They helped this lady because she needed help getting in the car. She could barely move. Guy says he's 100 years old. Look at that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. The last thing he says is, take it easy, Mom. <laughs> and he goes around. Yeah, He was driving that minivan? He's 100 years old and he's driving? Well, I mean, obviously, she's not capable of driving. Anyway, never mind that. The best part of that story is these three or four guys saw the trouble she was having and he was having and took the time to uh, to help out. A tip of the hat to these guys. Wow. Definitely restore your faith in, um, in humanity. And we're going to tear it right back down again as we get into George Orwell's 1984. We've been reading this book now for quite a while. We, we read books on this show. We've always done classic children's literature. Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, uh, Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland we've done. So many great books. But uh, someone suggested, and I thought it was a brilliant idea, that because of the focus of most of this show, we do George Orwell's 1984, and that's exactly what we're doing. All right, so we were uh, right in the middle of a chapter here, and let's pop back over and uh, continue on with George Orwell's 1984. And the more we read this, the more I realize... We're living in it, folks. The fabulous conti statistics continued to pour out of the telescreen. As compared with last year, there was more food, more clothes, more houses, more furniture, more cooking pots, more fuel, more ships, more helicopters, more books, more babies, more of everything except disease, crime, and insanity. Year by year, minute by minute, Everybody and everything was whizzing rapidly upward. 
As Syme had done earlier, Winston had taken up his spoon and was dabbing in the pale-colored gravy that dribbled across the table, drawing a long streak of it out into a pattern. He meditated resentfully on the texture, physical texture, of life. Had it always been like this? Had food always tasted like this? He looked around the canteen. A low-ceilinged, crowded room, its walls grimy from the contact of innumerable bodies. Battered metal tables and chairs placed so close together when you sat with your elbows touching, bent spoons, dented trays, coarse white mugs, all surfaces greasy, grime in every crack, and a sourish composite smell of bad gin and bad coffee, and metallic stew and dirty clothes, always in your stomach and in your skin there was that sort of protest, a feeling that you'd been cheated of something you had a right to. It was true, he had no memories of anything greatly different. In any time that he could accurately remember, there had never been quite enough to eat. One had never had enough socks or underclothes that were not full of holes. Furniture had always been battered and rickety. Rooms underheated, tube trains crowded, houses falling to pieces. Bread dark-colored, tea a rarity, coffee filthy-tasting, cigarettes insufficient. Nothing cheap and plentiful except synthetic gin. And though, of course, it grew worse as one's body aged, it wasn't a sign that this was not the natural order of things. If one's heart sickened at the discomfort and dirt, scarcity, the interminable winters, the stickiness in one's socks, the lifts that never worked, the cold water, the gritty soap, the cigarettes that came to pieces, the food with its strange, evil tastes. Why should one feel it to be intolerable unless one had some kind of ancestral memory that things had once been different? He looked around the canteen again. Nearly everyone was ugly and would still have been ugly even if dressed otherwise than in the uniform blue overalls. On the far side of the room sat a table alone, a small, curiously beetle-like man. He was drinking a cup of coffee. His little eyes darted suspicious glances from side to side. How easy it was, thought Winston, if you did not look about you, to believe that the physical type set up by the party, was an ideal tall, muscular youths and deep-bosomed maidens, blonde-haired, vital, sunburnt, carefree, existed, and even predominated. Actually, as far as he could judge, the majority of people in Airstrip One were small, dark, and ill-favored. It was curious how that beetle-like type proliferated in the ministries. Little dumpy men growing stout very early in life, short legs, swift scuttling movements, and fat, inscrutable faces with 
very small eyes. It was the type that seemed to flourish best under the dominion of the party. The announcement from the Ministry of Plenty ended on another trumpet call and gave way to tinny music. Parsons, stirred to vague enthusiasm by the bombardment of figures, took his pipe out of his mouth. The Ministry of Plenty has certainly done a good job this year, he said with a knowing shake of his head. Uh, by the way, Smith, old boy, I suppose you haven't got any razor blades you could let me have? Not one, said Winston. I've been using the same blade for six weeks myself. Ah, well, just thought I'd ask you, old boy. Sorry, said Winston. The quacking voice from the next table temporarily silenced during the ministry's announcement, and it started up again as loud as ever. For some reason, Winston suddenly found himself thinking of Mrs. Parsons, with her wispy hair and the dust in the creases of her face. Within two years, those children would be denouncing her to the thought police. Mrs. Parsons would be vaporized. Syme would be vaporized. Winston would be vaporized. O'Brien would be vaporized. Parsons, on the other hand, would never be vaporized. The eyeless creature with the quacking voice would never be vaporized. The little beetle-like men who scuttled so nimbly through the labyrinth corridors of ministries, they too would never be vaporized. And the girl with dark hair, the girl from the fiction department, she'd never be vaporized either. It seemed to him that he knew instinctively who would survive and who would perish, though just what it was that made for survival, it wasn't easy to say. At this moment, he was dragged out of his reverie with a violent jerk. The girl at the next table had turned partly round and was looking at him. It was the girl with dark hair. She was looking at him with a sidelong way, but with curious intensity. The instant she caught his eye, she looked away. Sweat started out on Winston's backbone. A horrible pang of terror went through him. It was gone almost at once, but it left a sort of nagging uneasiness behind. Why was she watching him? Why did she keep following him about? Unfortunately, he could not remember whether she'd already been at the table when he arrived or had come there afterward. But yesterday, at any rate, during the two-minute hate, she'd sat immediately behind him when there was no apparent need to do so. <clears throat> Quite likely, her real object had been to listen to him, make sure whether he was shouting loudly enough. He earlier thought returned to him. He, probably she wasn't actually a member of the thought police, but then it was precisely the amateur spy who was the greatest danger of all. He didn't know how long she'd been looking at him, but perhaps for as much as five minutes, and it was possible that his features had not been perfectly under control. It was terribly dangerous to let your thoughts wander when you were in any public place or within range of a telescreen. The smallest thing could give you away. A nervous tie, 
an unconscious look of anxiety, a habit of muttering to yourself, anything that carried with it the suggestion of abnormality, of having something to hide. In any case, to wear an improper expression on your face, to look incredulous when a victory was announced, for example, was itself a punishable offense. There was even a word for it in Newspeak. Face crime, it was called. The girl had turned her back on him again. Perhaps, after all, she wasn't really following him about. Perhaps it was coincidence that she sat so close to him two days running. His cigarette had gone out and he laid it carefully on the edge of the table. He'd finished smoking it after work, if he could keep the tobacco in it. Quite likely the person at the next table was a spy of the thought police, and quite likely he'd be in the cellars of the Ministry of Love within three days. But a cigarette end must not be wasted. Simon folded up his strip of paper and stowed it away in his pocket. Parsons had begun talking again. Did I ever tell you, old boy, he said, chuckling around the stem of his pipe, about the time when these two nippers of mine set fire to the old market woman's skirt because they saw her wrapping up sausages in a poster of B.B., sneaked up behind her and set fire to it with a box of matches. Burned her quite badly, I believe, little beggars, huh? Been keen as mustard. That's a first-rate training they'll give them in the spies nowadays. Better than in my day, even. What do you think the latest thing they're serving them out with? Ear trumpets for listening through keyholes? My little girl brought home the other night. Tried it out on her sitting room door and reckoned she could hear twice as much as with her ear to the hole. Of course, it was only a toy, mind you. Still, gives them the right idea, eh? At this moment, the telescreen let out a piercing whistle. It was a signal to return to work. All three men sprang to their feet to join in the struggle around the lifts, and the remaining tobacco fell out of Winston's cigarette. That's the end of Chapter 5. We'll move on to Chapter 6 coming up on tomorrow's show. All right, folks, please follow. If you wouldn't mind, there's a button right over here on Rumble, and just give it a click. Really, uh, it helps the show out a lot. It's free for you. costs nothing. Just takes a click. That's it right here. Click that follow button, and we are good to go. Share the show out if you like. The audio part of our show is also a podcast. You'll find us on Apple, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. Just look for The Jay Sheldon Show and give us a uh, subscribe over there, too. Uh, that's going to do it. I will see you all again tomorrow. Snort. <laughs>